And now, our feature presentation. Now I have a podcast. Ho, ho, ho. And welcome back to No Flicks Given. Uh, a podcast where we're trying to figure out if this is a Christmas movie or not. And uh, I am one of your lovely co-hosts, Peter. Uh, with me, as always, is Connor. Say hello, Connor. Hello, Internet. Matt. Hey. Happy holidays. And Frank. Hey, everybody. Legitimately wasn't sure if we started or not, so this is great. <laughs> so uh, we, we have, uh, this is this is part one of our, our uh, December holiday guide uh, to prepare you for Christmas movies. And we wanted to do something a little fun this year where this is not a competition. We've done a Scrooge off in the past. We've done uh, random sort of Christmas movie selections in the past. Um, this year... We're asking the question of non-conventional movies, is this a Christmas movie? And the sample, the example that you probably know is the Die Hard example. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? That's, that's always a, a sort of a fun debate. We decided to sort of take that out of the box and make our own selections to try and determ- determine whether or not these movies that have some connection to Christmas are in fact Christmas movies. Um, so the first movie that we are talking about today is, uh, I believe, Matt's selection. Do you want yes, to introduce your movie, Matt? We're going in uh, release order for the movies we've chosen. So I, I, of course, went first because I have chosen another Vincent Minnelli film to <laughs> inflict upon everyone. Uh, 1944's Meet Me in St. Louis. And meet me in St. Louis, we will. Just uh, you saying those five words <laughs> makes me tr- want triggering. to break shit. That Dude, song, I mean, got so obnoxious so fast. Oh, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> There's only like 10 words in the whole fucking song. That's true. And the, at the beginning of every scene, somebody had to sing it, hum it to themselves. We will dance the hoochie coochie. Of course. Can I? Can I? Before we go too far, are we? Who's Team Louis and who's Team Lewis here? What do we got? For the purposes of the, <clears throat> wait, for when we're talking about the actual city, what your mouth does with the brain words? <laughs> that I did, well, if it's if we're talking about the movie or the song, it's Meet Me in St. Louis. If we're yeah. talking about the city in Missouri, it's St. Louis. St. Louis. Much okay. Much like the, the the little girl asked if it is a saint. Or a monarch, it is Louis. Yes, it's both. And if it is the city, it is Louis. I was actually, oh, I was actually born in St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, shit. What? Yeah, I spent the first four years of my life in St. Louis, Missouri. Holy crap! It says so did, on did my you, passport. Did you wow. also make ketchup? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, honestly, I I wasn't conscious enough to know if that was a family tradition or not. I don't believe so. Uh, when mm. we moved to Virginia, we uh, probably stopped that tradition. But um, I actually spent a good portion of my watch of Meet Me in St. Louis trying to find the house that I spent the first four <laughs> years of my life in, in Chesterfield, Missouri, which is about 15 minutes outside of St. Louis. Yeah. But exactly where the ruins of the World Fair were. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise Ooh. me if that was the case. Which would that? That's an unfortunate, sad line at the end about like, oh, are they going to tear it down? Oh, they never will, or whatever it is. And I was like, <laughs> it was. They made the movie forty years later. I'm pretty sure it was even torn down by then. I don't even yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
the World, well, World's the, Fairs back in the day were were not notoriously known for their architectural standing. They 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 fell down pretty quick as the fair was ending, or they oh, lasted yeah. forever, like Flushing, or Chicago. Well, some some parts of Chicago of Flushing lasted yeah. forever. <laughs> um, not the whole thing. Yeah, the ones that the aliens built. Of course. I mean, that, yeah. you know, well, it had to be that way. But speaking of houses, they, they give the address of the actual house that the author of the original st- stories lived in, because that's the house. But it was uh, demolished in 1994 because it was it fell into disrepair in the 60s and 70s. Bummer. Okay. So now after that, all of that effort. Well, yeah. Now, now that we've talked about none of the important parts, <laughs> why, why well, Matt, did you pick this one? So I I came to this movie pretty late in life, actually. I, I'm trying to think of probably, well, it would have been college when we were covering it for my class. But um, did anybody else see this like as a child? Was this a growing up movie? This is the first any? time I ever saw it. Yep, this I, is my first time as well. I knew that Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was from this movie um, and that the original version was darker. Um which made me think that the story, and I knew of the song "Meet Me in St. Louis, Louis" from like a theater production from when I was a kid. Um, yeah, which made me think that like the stakes of "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" was like I don't know the second VHS of um, <laughs> "Gone with the Wind," like really dark shit, <laughs> like yeah, post-apocalyptic, yeah. but like right after a war type type thing, not like. We're gonna have to move to New York because my dad got another job. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, it's a little bit less. Uh, which dark certainly than, took yeah. the edge off of someday soon, or uh, until then we'll have to muddle through somehow. Um, yes, which made me think. I don't know. Like this Christmas is gonna suck because it's like the depression. I guess um, it's, it is. Like it. It. it, it, it I, I. I watched this with my wife, and I was like, "This is the the tomorrow from Annie. Tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That it. That is the 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 tomorrow of Christmas songs. Is is this particular version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas? It is very sad. Yes, but like yeah. sort of hopeful. I mean, I'm, I'm, I come to it because I'm always generally a fan of the, 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 the more melancholy or darker Christmas songs. I think we've talked about it before. Is that I think one of my favorite Christmas carols is, is just Carol of the Bells. And I didn't realize that Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was one of those until I saw the movie. Um, obviously, the stakes are a little bit lower than, like, I'll be home for Christmas. but <laughs> um, Or maybe it's th- cold outside. <laughs> Oh man, I don't want different stakes. That's a diff- completely different set of stakes. That's a whole. Well, other you haven't thing. heard the Kevin Spacey version. Oh no, oh, no. But I have heard the Bill Cosby one. Oh boy. No, so I, I, I was when we were talking about unconventional Christmas movies. I was thinking about a movie that, for me, the crux of the film is everything that takes place on Christmas Eve. So, like, that's why it's important. And and so, to me, I and it was released in December too. So, like, they intended it to have some sort of a Christmas spirit type of thing going on but i think that the elements that it espouses about the idea of and obviously this is a privileged upper middle class white family living in essentially the south and and so maybe before we get into whether or not this is a christmas movie let's let's talk a little bit about what the movie is about because i knew nothing about this movie coming in and i was like a little surprised to find out what it was well, I'm Same. curious what you thought. What what did you think well, I, going yeah, I into it? I'm curious. All, yeah, I I thought it was going to be like a 40s like 
standard, pretty standard musical about like uh, a family around Christmas time. That that mm. that's kind of the because I that literally the the only song I knew was "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," and then I I saw like the trolley song is there, and the, of course "Meet Me in St. Louis," and so I I I didn't really know what to think. I knew Judy Garland was was sort of the protagonist, and that was about it. Yeah, I had never seen this movie before either. Um, and like I said, growing up um, at my elementary school that I was at through K through eight, they did like a year, like a this the eighth grade class did a senior, essentially music musical for the parents and the other students. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, Meet Me in St. Louis got incorporated into that. Um, so in my <laughs> child brain i formulated a plot in which two lovers were separated by distance and had to meet together in st louis to be reunited um yeah like my brain did that too uh, that (laughs) that and you know like like it was like a sleepless in seattle kind of romantic comedy kind of thing so uh, imagine my surprise as i was like an hour into the movie like god nobody's left st louis yet uh, yeah, just still here. Hmm, how about that? Um, so it was completely different from what I thought it was going to be. The songs have almost outlived and become more popular than the film itself as yeah. a whole. Yeah, I mean, and and the plot of the of this movie, which was this based on anything? I don't, I, I don't know. Yes. I know nothing about Mimi and St. Louis. So this was based on a series of short stories that were written for the New Yorker by a woman who grew up in a family like this in St. Louis mm-hmm. at this, that same time. And then it was adapted into this. Um, gotcha. So Which it, makes... it's based off of, of a, a memory of her family when they were living in St. Louis around the same time that the World's Fair was happening. That makes sense. And that okay. makes sense because of all of the New York connections to this movie as well. Like yeah. half sure. the characters yeah. are either in New York or coming from New York or going to New York at some point in the show. The thing that yes. this reminded me of the most was Little Women, which is... Oh. You know, I don't like the March sisters. They're a marchers. You like Little Women? Fucking love them. Yeah. They call them midgets or dwarfs. What? I'll stack two on top of each other. Make one whole woman. Tap that ass. No, we're talking about something different. You know, uh, it, I mean, the story takes place 60 years before this, or during the, during the Civil War, basically. During, yeah. So forty years before this movie takes place, um, but like the yeah. beats are very much the same. The concerns of like finding somebody to marry when you're sort of like upper middle class, almost into the sort of like elite class, uh, becomes a big deal. It's very much from the perspective of women, and there is a big sort of like front loaded Christmas aspect to it. Actually, my mom, <laughs> we make fun of my mom every year. She plays the the Little Woman movie from the nineties. With um, yeah. Winona Ryder and everybody else that was famous, Kirsten Dunst, and yeah, ever, ever, yeah, Christian Bale, and there's literally like I don't know, twenty minutes of a two and a half hour long movie that takes place during Christmas, and she's like, "No, it's a Christmas movie." Which there's some people that say Little Women is a Christmas movie. Yeah, do we need to bring yeah. Kim on so that she can pitch for Little Women as an unconventional Christmas film? That. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> As we get closer uh, to the holiday season, and I start and I and I go home for Christmas, there might be a moment where we have to do that. And it was certainly well, it was certainly a thought that popped in my head when you when uh, Frank came up with this idea at his wedding. Yes, oh, is that what I so, did? Yeah, 
Well, we I mean, you got we married, a lot. but you know, I also married, you're yeah. like, we should do this. But for the, the important podcast. thing that happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> By the way, Frank's married now. Everybody, yeah, Frank is. Uh, yes, Frank married. is married. Yeah, 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 Matt, yeah, Matt was the best man. Um, unarmed Welcome to the club, Frank. Which was very, which was very, um, which is bold of you. Uh, I married, I married him to his lovely wife him. Amanda. Um, yes. Uh, and Peter uh, performed the prima nocta. So really, all of you. Uh, it was my honor, truly. Mm. Um. Before we go past it, because I don't want to forget. Yeah. Honestly, like, It's a Wonderful Life is barely Christmassy when you look at the actual runtime of it. It's like two yes. hours in before mm-hmm. Christmas even hits. Yes. Um, and, and so there, there's, there's something to be said about like the amount. Well, and so I think my, my case for it is so the, the, the general concept, if you haven't seen it yet before you watch this is it's about a family who lives in St. Louis has spent their adult lives or growing up in St. St. Louis. Um, and it's three, three closing. daughters, three daughters, two son or one son. Uh, there's four, four daughters, daughters and one son, one son. Yeah. And they live in and some sort of suburb of St. Louis, too. No, they live in... I looked up the address. They live in St. Louis. Well, I mean, now it would be like downtown St. Louis, but in 1903, similarly to the house that I live in now... Fair enough. Like, like you know, when this building was built in 1890-something, it would have been the suburbs of where you live, Matt. Yes. Um, but, you know, at the time that the movie takes place, it's certainly a more bucolic, suburban kind of spot. Yes. And um, it's we're leading up to the World's Fair, which was a big deal because long before we were born, World's Fairs were like, I guess, the most interesting things to happen in the world that weren't like it, it was their version of Comic-Con, really. Um, <laughs> and they only happened wow. every handful of years. Yeah. And then it's mostly the courtship of the two eldest daughters trying to find love and Judy Garland's character, who's the second oldest, meeting and falling in love with the neighbor boy who has just moved in. And over the course of this, they, the family learns that the father's going to have to uproot the whole family to New York and leave this whole life. And so they have to kind of deal with that. And then everything comes to a head on Christmas. All of the plots reach, reach their, their focal point at the Christmas tree. And w- why I still think that it is an un- unconventional Christmas movie, but is a Christmas movie, is that it is, Christmas is still the heart of how everything happens it's where all the major changes in the movie with the plot and characters happen um and the whole movie is mostly just about family spending time with each other making memories with each other and that is a core tenant of of what i believe to be the christmas season but but the movie does take place during there's basically all four seasons it starts a whole calendar year right it's like a july to july yeah. Well, I think it's like July it's to like, like it's, April. It's midsummer it's to the beginning to, to yeah. the beginning of spring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of okay. 1903 into 1904. So we we start in the summer and we end in the spring. But yeah, to yes. to, to Matt's point, the the climax of the film kind of happens during the the winter Christmas season. Yeah, um, the spring period is pretty quick. Halloween is its own major. Can we talk about Halloween? To talk about Halloween. Oh, yes, I know this is the best part of the book, but. Halloween we are might all be the best dying movie. to talk about Halloween. Yeah, this might actually be a Halloween movie. Like, I want <laughs> there is an, there's an argument. Children's I, Bacchanalia. Yeah, no, I want a movie that's two that's take two hours long that just takes place on Halloween on this particular street. 
because <laughs> the Halloween wild. that is portrayed in Meet Me in St. Louis is not even the Halloween of, say, Halloween or Halloween 2, where there's like a bunch of suburban kids run, you know, trick-or-treating from house to house, and they're all in costumes. That's great. No, the Halloween of Meet Me in St. Louis is a post-apocalyptic children's <laughs> bacchanal where they dress up as... Hobos, 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 hobos mostly. They're mostly they also, all but, in drag, though. But they're also cross-dressing. All of the girls dress yeah, like boys, all the boys dress like girls. And they go around town assaulting the various heads of households with flour and water, telling them that they hate them and before they throw the flour at them, and also maintaining a gigantic bonfire in the mm, middle of the road the where they seem to be burning people's furniture? Yes, there was a bed frame that yeah. ended up in that bonfire. Yeah, but but if you look, it's all discarded stuff. It's all like trash. I guess, I mean, I guess. Okay. Uh, also, the maximum it, no, age it, for participation in this is twelve. Yeah, yeah. They're not even because after that you're an adult. Yes. Yeah. There okay. was and one also, boy whose voice had dropped. That was it. Also, they refer to throwing the flower at the house of heads of households as murdering them. Yes. yes. This the is rip. the most metal version of Halloween, and we have to bring it back now. We have to bring it back now. I, I, I'm still too young for this to do this. <laughs> like I feel like I'm not ready. But so this was at a part of the movie. First of all, you're totally right. Post apocalyptic. One of my notes is it's trick or treating up and down Fury Road. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what it is. And there's no um, treats. It's all tricks. Yeah. And it was at a point of the movie where. I actually forgot until the Halloween thing came up. I forgot that we were doing a Christmas thing because it there was n- there was no mention of that. And then Halloween hit, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, the, the year is moving. I, all right, I forgot why we were even why I was watching this to begin with. And then when that starts to come up, I was like, all right, I get the movie's kind of moving, but it's doing a meandering thing, and it's a little bit more sort of like a like day in the life, days in the life. It's a part of the movie where like I was waiting for more of an inciting incident, and they're doing this thing where there's a little girl who's kind of like lost in the shuffle of the craziness, and it's very dark and intense. And I was like, my brain straight up did, even though I know the context of like this would never happen in a Judy Garland vehicle, but I was like... <laughs> I think that kid's accidentally going to get lit on fire. Like, I think that's what's, I think this kid dies at Halloween and the rest of the movie is dealing with like this mistake. Cause I was waiting for something big to happen there. Cause it was really, really fucking intense. It's also very triggering as a big brother. I, I, I know <laughs> most of us here are big brothers. Is that correct? Yeah, I am. You're, yeah. Okay. So we're all big, we're all big brothers here. So you see a little kid who's not quite old enough to be participating in, dangerous kid activities and like your job as a big brother is to make sure that they're safe through all of that yeah and or through an experience like that like mom and dad are away we're here to we're here to like we're gonna do our own thing but me as the older sibling will be keeping an eye on you to make sure you're okay the idea of Mm -hmm. losing track of my sister in in a situation like that terrified me to my core (laughs) Um, is it the scariest Halloween movie you've seen so far this year, Connor? Honestly, it kind of like when she was sort of like <laughs> mustering the strength to walk up to the guy's house, and oh my god, and she's it's on her so own. Good. I'm just like, oh my god, small human, let me protect you. No. So a, a couple Brian. a couple things about this sequence. Um, so this was one of Vincent Minnelli's favorite sequences of the whole movie, and yeah. and that I doesn't think he, surprise me. 
the cinematography is is just beautiful like how they light everything oh, so yeah. warmly yeah. and the firelight um but it is also like fairly accurate to uh some of the customs that would have been practiced in 1903 that were carried yeah. over from 18th and 19th century scotland and england including like the flower and and all that jazz um the other thing to note is that Louis B. Mayer actually tried to have this portion of the movie removed because he thought the movie was running too long. Mm. And in cuts of the movie, the movie just didn't flow correctly without it. So uh, it ended up staying in, um, and and that's all good. Also, Tootie is my favorite character in yes. this whole movie. She is the best. She the and youngest she one? Is, yeah. Yes. Is she She's like O'Brien. Is she the one that wonders if Santa will bring her a hunting knife? Yes. Uh no, that might be Agnes because the two of them no. are, are morbid as as it's hell. It's tough to tell they them sure to, to tell the difference between between the two. But is Santa going to bring me a hunting knife? Is probably my favorite line in any movie can ever. I, there are some. Great can I tell you what I wrote down about that kid? Because mm. I wrote I didn't I, I didn't know who the name was, but the, for the youngest one, I was like, this kid is going to take a bolt action rifle up to a clock tower in a town <laughs> square when she's an adult. She's a prototype Louise Belcher. Yeah. Like or Wednesday, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right. Well, and like she talks about the dolls that are dead that she's buried in her backyard and having to move them, and (laughs) the joke about having to dig up all those dolls before they leave town is fantastic. No, this is uh, so. um, The last Vincent Minnelli movie we watched, The Pirate, was a very broad sort of musical comedy and spectacle. Spectacle, and. I said at the time that my favorite parts of the movie was when they dropped all the musical shit and was just a comedy. Meet Me in St. Louis is um, a more condensed version of that, of that exact same feeling. When he drops all of the musical pretense of like, you know, setting up people to sing beautiful songs, which is, you know, great. I love, and that's 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 nice to be a part of. When it's just pure comedy, like a child saying, "Is Santa going to bring me a hunting knife?" Um, it lands so much better for me than it than um, oh, totally. You know, than the characters standing and delivering a song. I agree um, wholeheartedly, like, wholeheartedly with that. Like, well, and she, um, like, she like, has like, that early scene with with the Iceman when she's just she's just riding around with the Iceman doing his rounds. That's and, fun. Like, she she has like three three things where she's like my doll is di- my my doll has three fatal diseases four fa- and, yeah she's <laughs> like the, you only really need one goes, oh you need he is the perfect straight man to all of her like I love antics. the Iceman it is a great is that the same scene where she is worried about her cat going missing no that's an earlier it's scene. right she's after I think, cat's missing, I think that's her older and she sister. threatens the fuck out of an adult yeah. Yeah, yeah, both both Agnes and Tootie are are she's they're like, metal. List yeah. the organs that she's going to stab. Another version of the same um, phenomenon is when they're turning out the lights in the house. When Judy Garland, that's has, my five minute mark. That's yeah. my five minute mark. It, yeah. Up until Judy Garland starts singing, that might be the most erotic moment in in Hollywood history. <laughs> The those, entire, those are some horny teenagers. It, that is, oh, I paused it to go take care of something. <laughs> it's one of the horniest move, moments in like a pre in like a pre end of the code movie I'd seen ever, and it completely is. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Frank says Frank has wrote wrote down this movie is horny as fuck. I wrote down. Are they gonna fuck? Yeah. And it's honestly shocking they don't in in the the that first turning off the light sequence. Well, right? and honestly, it's 
it's it feels that way until she starts singing. Yeah. When she starts mm. singing, all of the erotic tension is just pulled directly out of the scene and it becomes Judy Garland singing, which is nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it's it it um it it turns it, it it turns the you definitely the, have to the, wait the until down. the it, you definitely have to wait until the I'm putting the the putting on the corset scene later on to uh, feel that fury again. Did that it, it corset de- scene mess with your breathing a little bit? Yes, it, it yes. really got me. Uh, in a way, it looks uncomfortable. It looks like I I felt like I felt I, I was I'm sympathetically like having having issues breathing. That was not my yeah. the, the the sounds that Julie Garland. <clears throat> Ju- I had a few drinks. The sounds that Judy Garland makes in that scene more, um, uh, affected my breathing in a different way. I guess is <laughs> since this is a family yeah. podcast. <laughs> After Frank, Frank, you're the one who made the joke about jerking off in the first scene. Yeah, of but I, yeah, but I, that's, but it was tasteful. I put yeah, that it, was, it was classy. <laughs> yeah, he had to, he had to turn the oil out. Right, um, right, 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 right. No, I, I, oh, it, it, it certainly took you back to that, that like sort of high school tension of like being alone with somebody of the opposite sex for the first time and yeah. having no idea what to do and just being like. Okay, you should go now. Um, yeah, being completely lost with what to do next. The yeah. handshake. Yeah. Yeah. Good. The handshake is great. I don't want to go past the other moment that kind of hooked me was just the, the whole soup bit. Perfect. Perfect little setup to see all the different characters, how they react yeah. differently. Yeah. You know, that was just very, very economical. The, yeah, and, the, sorry, Matt. The, the poor the father, father being this, yeah, just a, not bumbling, but just like clearly not in control of this family whatsoever. He is just there to be providing money and love. What do we think to of his the father? Children. I sympathize well. with him. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that's because we're basically his age and we don't want to talk about it? But like we like it, uh, it is kind of like to look at. I wrote I wrote down because I don't think the movie. I think he's supposed to be the stern, antagonistic figure a bit. N- not that he's a bad guy at all. And the movie doesn't want you to think he is, but like he is the obstacle, and he is a thing that you have to sort of work around. But watching it in today's context, I wrote down: this is the story of a kind, loving breadwinner whose family hates and ignores him. <laughs> but they're they're also just like living their lives without him because like That's it is very free. clear that rent free. Like, Gotta add when, that. When when like they they when he tries to inject himself into their lives, they're like, "We didn't ask for your help." I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's so like, the, it's one of those things where it's like he works in an office probably ten hours a day, which leaves yeah fourteen hours for him to be around, which leads which leaves a minimum eight hours for sleeping, which means he's around for maybe Seven. six hours. Six. Uh, fuck me you know uh of of him being like present in the household and all this other shit happens. don't forget he spends an hour in the bath in the bath so yeah. five Six hours, hours. Yeah, five, yeah um you know all of this shit happens in the household that has nothing to do with him and then he comes home and he's like i am in charge this is my home and you are and because it's 1990 um you are my people that i own kind of um, how dare you have lives outside of my concerns? Um, 1903, right? Not 1990. Yeah. And he's just very confused by the dynamic that's going on around him that like, he's not a, really a part of. Um, and I think he does eventually figure it out, but 
there's also like the expectation of like I'm the father and I'm in charge that he sort of like marches into every scene with. And they make him abandon his dream. Yeah. <laughs> of playing well, baseball <laughs> for the Baltimore Colts. Well, no, he Baltimore I mean, Orioles. He oh. realizes Orioles. that his dream is not being professionally successful in New York as much as it is making his family happy. Does he says Baltimore Orioles? Sorry, but yes. he says Baltimore Orioles. That's is one. It, that must okay. be. Yeah, yeah Orioles which, are one of the earliest teams yes. ever. So, yes. well, okay. So here's the thing. In 1903, the Baltimore Orioles move to Highland, the Highlands of uh, Manhattan, and become the New York Yankees. the The Baltimore Orioles we know today are the St. Louis Browns, ironically, of huh. like the early of the 40s. Um, wow. Yeah. That John Denver's full of shit, man. So who were the St. Louis yeah. Cardinals before they became... The they were always the Cardinals. That's why I was surprised he didn't mention the Cardinals, because they had been around since the 1860s. Yeah. Oh, well, and being a former Cincinnati resident, I was make, waiting for him to make a red leggings joke. Yeah. yeah. We have to talk about Christmas, because we haven't even talked about the Christmas of it all. So here's the big question, guys. The reason why we've gathered together. I think I know what the question's going to be. Is this a Christmas movie? I was way off. <laughs> I have my opinions on the matter. I'd like to hear yours before we get into it. Matt, you brought it you brought it to us. So I would and we've discussed how like the climax of the film happens at Christmas and that's what sort of qualifies it as a Christmas movie. Do you have anything to add before we move forward? Um closing arguments. Yeah. No, I mean it, it it yeah, Christmas is the 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 center of gravity of the film for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it it did spawn one of the most popular Christmas songs in the history of Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it does get bonus points for that. Yeah, and and ultimately, it it is a a movie about family, the ideas of home, and where you want to center your ground. Peter, okay, is is Mimi in St. Louis a Christmas movie? I side with no. Mostly because if you substitute Christmas, if, if this just pl- takes place during a week in June, the whole movie takes place during a week in June, the, the, the core elements of the plot can remain the same. I don't know that Christmas is as integral to the nature of the film to make it a Christmas movie as as it is just sort of you know, a slice of life. It's nice that it happens at Christmas. It has one of the most lasting Christmas songs in history, which I absolutely see as, as points toward it. But I think if you take the core elements of the plot of this family and their trials and tribulations and the second oldest daughter falling in love with the neighbor, you don't necessarily need Christmas. And that's, that's kind of where I fall down on it. Frank, what are your thoughts? I'm I'm so on the fence. The post is up my ass. I I feel like <laughs> I because because so so he knows the, the turn of phrase because uh, I because I'm a I don't even think that's a phrase. I'm I think that's just what's happening in my body right now. Um, I, Man, I do um, think Amanda's that, got you doing weird stuff now that you're married. <laughs> We're gonna get as, to that in the next movie. As a fan of oh, oh all right, well I can't. I'll save it. No, save, save it. it. Save it. It's it's repulsive. Um, <laughs> I will say that as a fa- I am I am a fan of It's a Wonderful Life and grew up with that and and so that element of you know seventy percent of the movie Christmas does not even exist in the con- in, in in terms of the story and then suddenly we spend the last act 
just in a Christmas season and that makes it a Christmas movie. I, I, I get, and I can, I can defend. And, and I was basically out on this being a Christmas movie for most of the movie, especially when we spent so much time in Halloween, which is sort of like, just, it's like you're trying to make a recipe that's sweet and you're adding all this salt right there. So I was, I was, I was out there. All this the Christmas part starts and Christmas, that's even better. The Christmas part pulled me back in. The The moment that w- completely won me over was the uh, magic trick behind the tree was just, that's one of the most magical moments ever, which Where, we're not even talking about. How but. did he get his tuxedo? Because it's never explained. Because so the other one's in the tailors. I don't care. Because <laughs> that moment is because Because so, Christmas is a time for miracles, Matt. I wish, I wish he was not wearing a tuxedo. That would have d- been so better. D- d- describe, mm. describe the scene, Frank. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. Let's go. So Christmas Eve is, is uh, it's Christmas Eve. It's the big ball that there's a lot of other socialite issues happening here. But the main crux of it is Judy Garland's been flirting with her neighbor and they're going to go to the ball together. And this is their first, this is like the night that they're going to sort of like become get married or, or be official or whatever. This is like her big night with him. He doesn't have his tux. He couldn't get it. He basically doesn't have a tux, which means in this era, you just can't go to the event. So he doesn't go. She goes with her grandfather instead. And is at this event doing all this dancing around And the grandfather seems to have been in on it where he rigged it, where he's dancing with her and he dances her behind at, like away from the dance hall and behind the big Christmas tree, like a 20 foot tall tree. So you actually lose them behind it. When they come out the other side, she's dancing with the neighbor in a tuxedo and it's just like blown away by that transition. It's a really magical moment. I, I knew it was coming and I wanted it to happen and it was, it was really sweet. He has a tuxedo on. They don't explain where he gets it. It doesn't matter. But like it is a, it is the right amount of Christmas magic to, finish out Matt's argument there. But then the movie goes past Christmas so far that I'm like, okay, if it ended there, no argument. I feel like we would all be pretty much on the camp of this is a Christmas movie because it does nail the Christmas part. But it just, it doesn't resolve in the Christmas season. So I really don't know where I'm going to come in, like come down on this movie with. I think I might have to still go the Christmas movie route though. If, if, Putting a candy cane to my head. <laughs> Say mistletoe to your head. Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, the mistletoe's poisonous if you eat it. That's right, Connor. Where you at? I've I struggled with this um, quite a bit. Um, I think <laughs> our lives are so easy. If this is, giving <laughs> us- <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that to me. The thing that makes Christmas special is the anticipation. It's, you know, two days before turning Christmas. Turning down the lights. <laughs> exactly. It's turning <laughs> down the lights. It's oh, it's yeah. sort of it's it's waiting for this big moment where like everything in your life that's wrong doesn't matter for a day. You know, hmm. a day that we put aside um the concerns of the physical world and all and all we have to do is express how much we love the people around us um and that happens in this movie for sure during the grandpa boyfriend behind the tree transition that said 
so much about this movie is not about that. It's not like they're waiting to get to Christmas to have a big climactic moment. And I almost wish that when mom and dad, the you know the, the mom and dad of the family were like singing a song by the piano together, they were singing a Christmas carol of some kind. If the th- if they had been doing that instead of singing whatever the hell they're singing, I don't remember. <laughs> um, that would almost make it a total Christmas movie for me because it would there would be like a Christmas miracle moment there. It's like, you know, if if they started singing "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" in like a different key, like a happier key or whatever, and everybody sort of came downstairs to to sort of celebrate the decision that they're not going to be leaving town and they're going to stay in St. Louis and we love it in St. Louis. That would have been one thing. The fact that so much of the other important things that happen in this movie happen outside of Christmas. The fact that the there's a huge, big sequence that happens during Halloween. And the fact that the denouement of the film happens so much after Christmas... Like, if that scene, like the spring 1904 scene, had happened during New Year's, totally a Christmas movie for me. But the fact that it ends with nice weather <laughs> yeah. kind of kills the whole mm. this is a Christmas movie vibe for me. Which is a shame because that's the shortest sequence of the movie by far. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very much so. I mean, and that's just me. I mean, well, they breeze right past Thanksgiving, so true. <laughs> true. You would think Don't we all? You would think that there would be a Thanksgiving segment of some kind. I mean, so we're we're, stuck. Well, the original we're, we're, cut. We're at two two. Are we two two? Did yeah, so, that, is that Connor, so Connor's a no. I'm gonna go I'm gonna I, I, well, because it has to be a black and white thing. It's a no for me. Man. By the um, way, the the original cut of the movie was over two hours. They made him cut it down to. What it, what it ended up being an hour and fifty something. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, it's it's close to two. Yeah. <laughs> Connor yeah. Connor Connor I think is done with Vincent Minnelli for the well, foreseeable. That's the future. thing with him is like I could give a shit about that, 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 that's the thing. He's Connor, no, what are you giving this movie out of five stars? Out of five stars, I give this movie. You can three, go half stars. Uh, three and a half. half. Three and a half. The thing is, Vincent Minnelli to me, he's known as this musical theater as this musical movie maker. And to me, of the movies, of the two movies that we've watched so far that he's directed, the musical parts are the least interesting parts to me. The parts that I agree, yeah. The parts that I think he's great at are the broad comedy shit. Do you know why that is? Why is that? Because almost all of the musical parts are just people standing and singing. Yeah. And the parts that actually have movement are far more dance focused. The the yeah. songs rarely move the plot forward, or not, they don't move it forward enough in a, a as meaningful a, a moment as you could. It's kind of somebody sort of reflecting on somebody something that has happened, as opposed to yeah. having action or something drive the plot. Yeah. Well, so, if, so, if I if I can go even further, it's it's even the plots are so good and the characters are so good that the drama is rich enough where all the musical numbers are doing are taking that like nourished subtext that he's built and bringing it to the surface in this very bland flat lighting where it's like, there's a lot of musical numbers in this where it's like, no, no, no. I want to just see that in her face. That's the thing about this movie. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter, your, your wife has often told me that like the point of musicals is that the feelings that you're feeling 
cannot be contained so, yes. and must explode out of you in a big, big musical moment. Judy yeah, Garland and Dude, whose name I don't remember, turning off the lights and almost fucking, basically, <laughs> to me, it says enough about what's going on in that moment that she doesn't need to sing about it. They should yeah. just fuck. Or he should <laughs> or he should mess it up and leave. Or they they should be singing as they're turning off the lights. Yes! Or he fucks it up so bad she sings a song about how bad he fucked it up. Also that. Can we talk about the five minute part of this movie where we're pretty sure he strikes a child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Br- briefly, be, because we got to come back to the quish- Christmas yes. question. But yeah, let's yes. let's do you that. You could be Team Trudy, Tootie, whatever the name is, but like Tootie. that girl is a monster of a person, and <laughs> she, like she, he could have been executed for that if she did oh, not yeah. come clean. And everyone plays it off like it's this cute little thing. But, like, that's really not okay, dude. Well, yeah. It, it was 1903. The rules were different. Because once once Judy Garland finds out that she was lying about it, she, you watch, she's just about to, to wail on her ass. Yes. Yeah. As also, there's part of yeah. me now that wants to have my ass kicked by Judy Garland. Is that weird? Didn't anybody else feel that feeling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got. I want to run full speed into that wall of hair. <laughs> <laughs> She just she walks up on that porch and just starts wailing on the guy like the guy from Raging Bull. Did anyone look it up? Uh, how old she was in this? Too young, no. probably. Twenty two. Based on our track record with Judy Garland. Twenty two. She always comes off very. She's still in this. She seems like uh, you know. She doesn't look it, but she acts. You get that she carries herself like a full fledged adult. Yeah, well, it's because she's a yeah. really good actor. Is the thing like she's really good. That's the that's what? the shame about the way that Hollywood sort of chewed her up and spit her out. Like she's so fucking talented and delivers for, for yeah for 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 a reference. Go back and listen to our episode of the pirate about just how terrible the studio system and and I believe Vincent Minnelli absolutely being complicit in how she was basically just drugged within an inch of her life to to keep her complacent basically. Yeah, this movie wasn't necessarily it wasn't worse, but it wasn't necessarily better by very much. Um she was still on a lot of amphetamines to to get through her scenes and there was a lot of stuff, but weirdly enough, <laughs> this is the movie where she met Vincent Minnelli and they oh. became a couple. Mm. Hmm. And he was so, like in his mid fifties at that point, basically. I I don't I don't know, but yes, I, he was I, older um, by a stretch. I, he was yes. older. I looked it up. He was like twenty. He was like twice her age or something like that. Yeah. Um, can I take you down one quick little little rabbit hole? My brain did while we were doing this. Yes. Because I had the I had the "Make Me in St. Louis" song in my head after the God. movie, and I was like, "Where have I heard that before?" And my brain was trying to figure out where where that tune had been, and I was like. Ah, I think that's playing on the beach during a scene of Jaws, like in the background as oh. like a, mm. it's like an instrumental version. And I'm like, yeah. oh, of course Spielberg would do that. Of course he would throw in a Minnelli like number somewhere as like a little reference that only he would get. Um, and I went in and I was, it took me a while to find what that tune was. Cause it's like, it's just a background thing. I'll play a piece of it somewhere in here. I eventually found it's not Meet Me in St. Louis, but it sounds almost identical. And it's a song called In the Good Old Summertime, which is the title of another Judy Garland movie. 
He does love his musicals. He does. This is like a classic song that you would hear on like a carousel. You'd hear oh, like yes. yeah. the version from Jaws. Well, the other song. Yeah. Well, it sounds just like a carousel like tune. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and in the pirate we had the make him laugh, uh, be a clown yep. comparison yeah. to. There was a lot of very similar songs floating around in this era. I feel like I hate that clown yes. song so oh. much. Make him laugh. Really but good. so it's a split decision, gentlemen. Yeah, we need to bring in yeah, a third split. party. Um, the audience. Yeah. Ser- Let me on- go ask my wife. <laughs> Yeah, I like got, to say that now. Guys with wa- guys with wives, go ask yours. I don't have one, so it'll be an odd number. Oh, yeah, number. There's, a, there's three of them, so it's an odd number. So we'll, we'll Amanda will actually get this. a decision. I'll yeah, have Amanda to, didn't watch this, though. I, can, I'll, I, I might make Katie. I've been making Katie watch Hallmark Christmas movies the last oh, couple of nights. Because yeah. I, just, I love quick, bad movies. You want to you know what we watched last night? Mm-hmm. That weird Rob Lowe in Africa Christmas oh, I movie? Couldn't. Yeah, no. It's way more about elephants being poached than you would think. Well, no, it, it's Rob. Oh man. Yeah. So, so I, I did just ask my wife, and she says no, but it is a nice one to put on at Thanksgiving. Interesting. I, that's, actually, I think that's a that's a that's a really well um, observed thought, Peter. Because yeah. it's more because yeah. of, of the family focus, maybe. Family focus and it's like anticipatory of Christmas. It like yeah. it like yeah. takes you through the seasons and like gets you ready for it. It's like the Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> kind yeah. of. If it's got equal parts Halloween and equal parts Christmas, this is like what I say about Nightmare Before Christmas. I call that yeah. a Thanksgiving. Movie. Great Thanksgiving. Yeah. Exactly. I say the same thing. Yeah. Well, and in the yeah. same way that the parade ends with Santa Claus and gets you in the spirit, both of those movies end with Christmas and get you primed for your, yeah so this your is viewing of scrooge and muppets christmas carol yes which, which is a really cute anecdote but it means matt's wrong <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's well fine. it's not it's not that he was wrong it's just that the movie that he brought to us is not a christmas movie no. yeah it's, it's not a matter I, of right or wrong we're just they're not all going to make it frank that's right because wait till we get to yours <laughs> okay I, i'm excited we got to take a, a drink break if we're going to be Yes. Any, that territory. any last comments on Meet Me in St. Louis? We're know. we're all pretty sure that Grandpa fought on the wrong side of the Civil War, right? <laughs> uh, okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And we can leave it in or cut it out. I don't care. Yeah. This movie was like dancing on the rage, the razor's edge of racism the entire time. I you was very close statue. right before Halloween. Yeah, I saw the, the statue. I saw the statue. Yeah. I was genuinely concerned that. One of the characters of any age was going to drop the N word with the hard R at any so moment. And the, the cake, the cakewalk scene is racist. Yes, oh, is it? Yes, because yes. they talk. It's as, about a Zulu chief or something. Oh, and, and, well, the, and the concept, the concept of a cakewalk in general, is racist. Oh boy, it is a thing that slaves used to do because there was never enough nice to, to go around. Oh, Jesus and, Christ. And like, yeah, so, Missouri so it, man. Yeah, I so, know. But but again, like I grew up with cakewalks. I grew yeah. up like going to church functions and like there's a big tray tray of treats and you basically played musical chairs until your number got called and then you got to take a suite. Like yeah. that I, was that was this is what we grew up with. I was, I was I was <laughs> I was born in Missouri and raised in Virginia. This is like asking a fish how the water is it's just sort of like all around and you don't you don't know where one begins and the other ends connor's like one of those germans who moved to south america (laughs) (laughs) 
So, so the verdict is not Christmas movie, also racist. Possibly racist. Definitely yeah. very horny. That's kicking my wallies down. Very, very horny. Yeah, a little problematic, but very horny, which, yes. you know. There's that's, nothing if, wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong your, with it being horny. Yes, there's nothing wrong with it being horny. That is the true spirit of Christmas, though. A little problematic and a little horny. God bless us, end of everyone. Segment. Yeah, end of segment. That is the end of the segment. We will <laughs> cut, yes. cut two jingle bells and, and, yeah. and Santa Claus saying hi. You, know, saying hello. Yeah. Yeah. you wouldn't go down on Mrs. Claus? Come on. Uh, I mean, you know, no, I'm, I'm a generous. I mean, it's, a, it's, uh, what's, it's Goldie Hawn, isn't it? I'm a generous lover. <laughs> we will dance for hoochie coochie. You will be my tootsie whoopsie. If you will meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me. Just as a side note, I went to go get more hot cocoa, and there's a container that's marked cocoa. So I made the whole thing, and I realized that it was just cocoa powder. So I'm relying entirely on the sugar of the rum to sweeten the hot chocolate. It's very piratey oh, of you, and I respect that. Yeah, you're gonna be in one of those m- moods now. <laughs> <laughs> that's an option. I have one extra, of those moods. I, I, have, I have extra sugar. I could run some down to your place right now if we wanted right? to. Well, apparently the traffic is going to be completely blocked by whatever the fuck is going on. <laughs> Fair. I'm, I'm checking the Jersey City. Sorry, I'm just checking the Jersey City subreddit real quick to find out like if somebody else is reported. Hey, I by mean, the I way, can see like, out your window. It looks like a flock of penguins moving oh, no. towards the square. Oh, no. Ideas that Danny Elfman motifs, used. Uh, yeah, the light motifs that Danny Elfman used for the movies, but I think she built on them in a way that made that almost retroactively makes the Batman theme song better. If that makes any sense. Batman the animated series makes all of the Burtman Batmans better. You're not wrong. In the same in the same way well. that the Clone Wars makes the prequels of the Star Wars better. Yes. Hard agree. Hard agree. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Can I say the name of the fucking movie that I'm going to do? The audience has probably narrowed it down by this point, but Frank, God let damn. us know which which yeah. unconventional Matt Christmas had movie. All this you fanfare, and he had a roll, he had a red carpet so, rolled out. So, welcome to the second half of our, uh, the second half of this episode's conversation about uh, is this a Christmas movie? Frank, you have brought the second of the two movies for this half of the conversation. Uh, so yes. What was the movie that you brought, and why would you say that it's a Christmas movie? Okay. I picked Batman Returns mostly because I've been dying to cover this movie 
because it's just fascinating for a lot of the same reasons Streets of Fire was. It is bonkers. Um, <laughs> I... I love this movie so much in so many weird ways. It's so it shouldn't exist, basically. So that's <laughs> a, that's the side. I, I I I really wanted to just have a discussion about what the fuck happened in 1992. Um, well, but it, so it, 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 on one level, it shouldn't exist. On another level, based on what Batman from 1989 did to movies, comics pop culture and superheroes in general it's almost inevitable it had no choice but to exist yeah yeah they, no, no, they no, were no, going to no. run that franchise into the ground no 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 a sequel to batman 1999 was always going to exist what they made is absolutely fucking bananas for a second movie in a blockbuster series yeah. this is yes. insane this is crazy and far hornier than Meet Me in St. So, Louis. Let me just put that. <laughs> I'd say about the same level as, as, as Meet Me in St. Louis. It's the same level, it's just in different Different ways. flavor. It's older. It's, it's, an, old, it's an older it's, it's kind an of old, flavor of horny from yes. Meet Me in St. Louis. They've experimented. The Christmassy part of it is a just, it's, it's, at, it's as Christmassy as far as iconography and visuals as Die Hard, which I think is universally considered a Christmas movie. Half as a joke, but I mean... If if the court has ruled, then you have to maintain consistency. So based on, based on precedent, it, the sheer amount of snow and and decorations and presents and how many Christmas themed pieces of this there are, and the fact that the whole thing takes place uh, like in December, basically with nonstop snow in in one of the like the most underratedly amazing looking Gotham's that. We can oh, really talk about it's a, it's this one's looking. crazy. It's I actually I got the 4K of this one. I hadn't watched it yet, so watching it like it those, those like it, big designs are insane. It's not my favorite Gotham City by far, but like it is really cool and really expanded upon it. It's a little bit that one set. <laughs> yeah, I well, do. I yeah, do. I do wish the does. New York Hall of Records had the words Hall of Records carved out of rock on the side <laughs> Pretty of the building. Pretty great, but. Before we go too far, A, there's a couple of things that it's doing to sort of like lean into the Christmassy thing. Um, the penguin is evil Santa Claus. He He's literally Krampus. makes a list of children <laughs> and on purpose, they're making, they're clearly called like using that Santa element and oh. calling attention to it. So he's literally stealing kids instead of giving presents. He's actually I, Krampus. What? I, yeah, I mean, I just took it in the the Passover angle, and I was like, he's just God in the, the Old Testament. Passover or the no, other like one? the Passover where all of the firstborn all children the firstborn. were killed. Yeah, they made a holiday out of a Rugrats episode. Hold on, <laughs> um, but so I mean, I we are don't, not alienating our Jewish audience like that. The Christmas thing is more of an excuse to talk about this movie. I and, and honestly, this is prob as far as like a capital B Batman movie goes. As far as like what constitutes a Batman movie, this is the worst example of a Batman movie by far. This is mm. an incredible Tim Burton movie. That's but a like, hot take. That's a hot that's, take. No, it's not. not. Not like it's poorly made, but as far as a movie about Batman, this is absolutely not a Batman this, movie. See, this I, is a Tim Burton this, movie that happens to have Batman in it periodically. Here, yes. I, here this I is what actually, it is. This is what it is. It sorry, is, Peter. It is a Catwoman it, sorry, movie, and we Peter. can argue about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's so a Peter. penguin movie, but... 
So, Peter, a Will Ferrell movie is Talladega Nights and uh, Anchorman, right? A movie with Will Ferrell in it is... Um, Wedding what Crashers. The fuck? Old school. No, well, I, no, no, no. I was going to say, what's the one where he's... Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction. It's it's Stranger Than Fiction. Like, that is, that's a movie with Will Ferrell. That's the difference I want to make there. This is... This is also, this is Elfman at his most cocaine. <laughs> Elfman see, or Burton? See, to me, both of them. To me, this is the Ur Batman movie. This is the Batman movie from which. All other Batman movies are judged. Is it better than Batman Returns, or is it worse than Batman Returns? The 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 Schumacher Batman movies take a lot of the lessons from Batman Returns and learns all of the wrong things. The the Nolan Batman movies are are a response to that to the to Batman Returns and make it like dark and gritty. The, the the Batman movie, a movie I think that we all love, learns yes. the right lessons from this movie. It makes Gotham City sort of its own living organism thing and chooses to make the point of view character of the movie Batman. If this movie... So, the, so this movie is third-person omniscient narrator. Narrator. Right? It jumps from character to character. They're all doing their own thing. But if you made this movie take place from the perspective of Michael Keaton's Batman, it would be structurally very similar to The Dark Knight or The Batman. You, you know what this movie is? What is this movie? movie is Mad Max Fury Road. That has no interest in Max whatsoever. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. but does not exist without Max. Max right. is wholly integral to the part. Yes. and because we already have a familiarity with Batman from Batman eighty nine, mm-hmm. we can afford to go and look at those other characters like Catwoman and Shrek and or Shrek, whatever his name is. And <laughs> oh, no, Shrek, sorry, I ha- no, yeah, it's Shrek. I know I went. Yeah. Max, Max, Max Shrek. Shrek, Max Shrek, and the Penguin, and and all we, we can afford to, to to have sympathy for the Penguin and Catwoman and the unfortunate circumstances that lead to them becoming supervillains, and okay. then have Batman the, take care of them as a consequence. The of thing it. is, sorry, this, real, we're real quick, like but wait, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, movie. real quick, because Matt is going to have a fucking aneurysm if he doesn't get a chance to talk. <laughs> Matt, please go. I mean, well, I, I I would not argue that it's the Ur Batman movie, but but I mean, I the hill that I will die on is this is a Catwoman movie, and and Selena Kyle is the protagonist of this film, and you could cut the entire Penguin segment out of it, and the movie would work better. I I'm gonna build on that. I think this movie has three protagonists: Selena Kyle, Oswald Cobblepot, and Batman. It's on two all of those three characters don't change at all throughout the entire course of the film. No, but the penguin does have something he wants to accomplish and does, and he does he does change. What, is he, what does he accomplish? He wants to come to the surface, find his parents, find who he is as a human being, and try to be accepted as a I human. I think that's a Except ruse. He and already then, it's a ruse. And he then, already knows. Okay, and then when he's not, he lashes out. When that's not good enough. But he was so. All right, I I do agree. He was collecting the names of firstborn kids before that happened. There's so. that. That is, that is that is true. 
And he, I mean, I mean, you could boil it down to he has this revenge plot that he wants to inflict, and that he is a dark version of Batman in that he was a deformed child of rich parents that rejected him, and their parent, and both him and Batman's parents disappeared from out of their lives and leave them as damaged, flappy things of the night. Um, There's and, a good line where someone, I think Max Shrek says, like, you two could have would have been schoolmates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you would have yeah. been bunkmates or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. In, in boarding school. And Batman's in the middle of all three of these characters just trying to, A, figure out what's going on, which is not a great thing for the world's greatest detective to be doing, and figure out where his place is amongst these genuine freaks. While falling in love with Selena Kyle. Yeah. Look, well, the plot to. of this movie makes no sense. Nope. Well, like, can I? So I'm sorry. It's vibes. We are, we are. Oh yeah. We, we, as with Meet Me in St. Yeah. Louis, we got way ahead of the actual we are like, what happens in the movie. <laughs> so, so Frank. So, so Batman Returns for for anyone who doesn't know is the sequel to Batman 1989, which is the first Tim Burton one. Um, it is, you know, we've had so many Batman movies since this one. It is one that comes and goes as far as where the zeitgeist is towards like how we feel about it. I think people feel pretty positively about it right now, but I honestly don't know if people could still hate this one. I, I don't know where everyone ranks all of the Batman movies or where they put this one. I, to this day, don't know if I prefer this or Batman 1989. It is kind of a coin flip for me on which one I like more. Um, this one is absolutely fucking crazy. It's it's so you cannot look away because like regardless of the Batman of it all or the Christmas of it all or the Catwoman of it all, the way it's like built structurally, narratively is so insane. A baby eats a cat before anyone has talked out loud in this movie. <laughs> it's it's like the third best Burton short film ever is the first like two minutes. Oh, of it's movie. really yeah. good. And it's and it also watching it this time, this movie is subtly so fucking funny. So it's so this is the funniest Batman movie by a long shot. This is and and it's not trying to be it's very Verhovian in it. It's a very yeah. much a, a a just the whole aspect of it. It feels almost like a movie where a director was contract it feels like a Matrix Resurrections where a director is contractually obligated. It, it it very much was that. Tim Burton had no interest in making a sequel to Batman and the studio was like really? you have to make a sequel to Batman. And so he was like, all right, I guess but I'm just going to do everything now. Also, he was in the position where nobody could say no. Yeah. Which is why it is the way it is, it, but clearly we have why different reactions to that. Where do we stand on it? Where are our opinions on it? Because we haven't talked about that. Matt, please. Uh, I want to hear every thought yeah, you Matt. have. Like as a film, as a Batman yeah, like film? Yeah, where, where you put it in, oh, the, your, in the ranking? Where you? I put it above... I put it above Batman and Robin... And the Dark Knight Rises. That's pathetic. <laughs> and maybe, maybe Batman sixty six, depending on how I'm feeling about it. But you and I, you and I put Dark Knight Rises really low. I think too. Yes. Yeah. No. Ba- Dark. Yeah. But that I, that's the bo- the bottom of my list is Batman and Robin and Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Do you put um, this below Batman v Superman? And I know you're going to get. Oh right! I, I forgot that those movies. Do you I put this below Batman Forever? Exist. Yes. Batman Forever is That's, a better Batman movie than Batman Returns. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, this is, uh, uh, if you're talking about a Batman movie, this is the absolute worst out of every, anyone you're yeah. going to mention, I think. 
Yeah. Um, maybe Batman v Superman, but um, I, 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 I. Yeah, that is crazy. I knew you people. This is (laughs) this is so insane. Well, first of all, I'm I anything af before Big Fish, like and Big Fish, um, anything Tim Burton does, I'm like, I can't be more all in on the Tim Burton run of the '80s and '90s, and this is cranked up to eleven in such a crazy way. The image, the the just the art design of everything is crazy yeah. that he got people with money to tell him that it's okay to do any yes. of this. Not only no, that it was I, okay, that it was I good. Am, and that's why it's great. It's yeah. But it's not great because he Mac threw Shrek, everything at the wall and it just stayed there. Max Shrek goes down an alley to hide from the penguin and there's a big Art Deco face at the end of it for no fucking reason and it's great. Yeah, no, talk about how good parts- the cat statue image like the no, branding no, of the no, I, I like yeah. that that's love good that, that is great. great I do too. love that but there's a moment um, after the first assault on the tree where he has to like make up the speech off the top of his head because he forgot the speech mm-hmm. and then all, like the red triangle um, gang, gang shows up and he's like hiding down an alley and then gets sort of like there's like a trap door into the sewers um, yep. there's a shot where it it's um the two halves of the screen are split, and on the right side of the screen, there's basically like a shaft of light and an alley, and then on the left side of the screen is just an Art Deco face, which is similar to the, like, the rest of the statuary in, in Gotham City. That's underlit, so it looks like he's holding a flashlight under his face, and there's no reason for that statue to be there, except that like somebody built it two, 100 years ago, and the rest of the city was built up around it, basically. And uh, it's bonkers set design. It makes no sense why it's there, and I love it so fucking much. Everybody gives Joel Mach- Joel Schumacher shit for like the the naked big Atlas no. men, but like this is the beginning of yeah. all of that. I I've always been a fan of the naked Atlas men. That yes, is my, I, like, I love the visual language of both this film and Batman Forever. The neon is where it loses me. The actual building design, I'm I'm a huge fan of Schumacher building on this, but this is the start of the giant statues yeah. kind of load-bearing Gotham as a city. Yeah, I, ice skating Batman and Robin is where they lost me. But yeah. um no, I am I'm not arguing that any individual shot or set piece or casting choice is poor. You just don't like it. My argument is that none of those things come together to form one cohesive film. And I think that it, it it's a shotgun approach of like all of these great, cool looking things, but ultimately like it, it just goes in too many directions, but isn't necessarily traveling in a single line towards a, a story. Well, Unless so you you're say- just paying attention to Selena Kyle and that's it. I'm curious. So, I'm Matt, curious, man. Before wait, I, I want to pull on that. Sorry, Connor. I, I do want to pull on that because I do. I do want to sort of like I. I, I want to try to hammer this home. So you're. You're. I think what you're saying is a lot of the pieces of this stem from unrelated parts of like Tim Burton's past, Elfman. Like they're all taking all of these things that they wanted to do and using this as, as the movie as the excuse to sort of put them in to one place in a lot of ways, like. Visually, artistically, it's a lot of different, the coming together of a lot of like un, 
I guess unrelated, but also pieces of, of, of all of their, yes. what makes them who they are and that yeah. those pieces do clash. Not unlike how you'd bring ornaments to a tree <laughs> when you're decorating <laughs> with family members where the only thing that really brings it together is some sort of angelic, but usually creepy female figure at the top <laughs> holding it all together. Mm. Is that what we're saying? Perhaps. If so, the spirit is so willing. it is, I guess, Christmassy just by default. This was some, uh, this was a, a ar- an argument that I had in my head while I was watching the movie was I need to stop thinking about this as watching it as a Batman movie because I dislike it as a Batman movie. I need to look at this with the focus of this is just a Christmas movie and then just play it like that. And then that was when all everything shifted of okay, we're watching this character, Selena. Let's forget that comic books exist. We're watching a character, Selena Kyle, get murdered by her capitalist boss and then have to figure her shit out. It's a rom-com. Over the course of two hours. Yes, a little bit. A rom-com yeah. in only the way that I would enjoy it. And and that component totally fits the Christmas theme. Honestly, like all of the, 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 the taking down of uh, unfettered capital, like this could just, this is like... A couple of tweaks away from turning into a Christmas Carol adaptation. Would you say that the events of Batman Returns take place during one magic Christmas? I've never wanted to. Well, it didn't happen on screen. I've never wanted to storm out. I mean, there are multiple fathers shot in the face. I was going to say that. If only that father (laughs) had nine lives. Mm, Yes, that was the trick. All right, um, well, do, Matt, where do you rank this as far as a, as a Tim Burton movie? Not obviously a Batman um, movie. I, I would never, I would never disagree with that. It's a terrible Batman movie. At Tim, I like it. Okay, it. Like, this is the thing: is that it is a train wreck to me, but I enjoy watching train wrecks. So, like, I, I, I am more you're interested me when we did Streets of Fire. I'm sorry, little, well, this is I, exactly. I am more interested watching this than I am watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate oh. Factory. Oh, well, I am yeah, more absolutely. interested watching this than like pretty much any of his later efforts. Even anything like with CGI, anything with CGI, well, and less um, cynical. Less cynical. I kind of he is clearly trying to just do everything that he possibly can with all the money that the studio is giving him, and I don't hold that against him. It's like it's like I just what, don't think that a feature film. Yeah. You know, he's still very um, young in his career. Yeah. I just, I don't, I, 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 I'm not faulting him for just completely going, turning the dial up to 11 for everything. I just don't think it cuts itself down into a cohesive story. Um, again, when I forget that the penguin exists and I stop caring, like, and, and I focus everything on the Catwoman arc it works for me so much better because if I swear to God, if you cut the penguin, like if right now, just the finished product, if you cut all of the penguin scenes out of this movie, it still works. And I would argue it works better. Yeah. But Matt, I want to tell you another story about another man that isn't quite as cohesive. His name was Jesus Christ. Oh God. We're, we're not doing this, I... <laughs> but it's, but, and conversely, if you like the penguin more, you could, I believe, cut all of the Catwoman sequences out of it, leave all the penguin stuff in it, and it would be its own movie. Right. Well, the I... problem that they have is they, they, they went to the two villain thing, which is what kills every other Batman movie after this, when they should have just focused on one 
one one member of the rogues gallery. Don't well, and the, try so, to. So the so, reason they did it was because they got self conscious because they lost Nicholson. They felt that Nicholson held up the eighty nine Batman so hard that they had no choice but to fill in with two lesser stars to try and you know keep the big ten alive. Which is why I know. you know Danny DeVito wasn't the first choice with Penguin, but I think he gives an, an incredible performance. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh, and I think M- Michelle Pfeiffer is incredible. That honestly, Michelle Pfeiffer gives probably my best, that my my most favorite Harley Quinn performance in her as her as her Catwoman. Like she is, yeah. she is the er Harley that's Quinn inter- in this movie. Fascinating, actually. Yeah, and that's the other thing too is like if you're looking at this from a Batman comics lens, all of these characters are divorced from anything that came before it entirely. Like, Max Shrek should be the Penguin. Like yes. traditionally, yes. Max, like the penguin should just be a shysty businessman. Like, yeah. that's his whole thing. That's his who's, deal. He's got a gang enterprise like on the side. Yeah. The Tim but Burton love, of his of it all was yeah. he heard the word penguin as a character and was like, "What if we just put Danny DeVito in a fat suit and gave him flipper hands?" Yeah. What if we and then somebody small, was like, "Well, yes, we will do that, Mister Burton. You a made short, a billion dollars." Did Did you read who he wanted first? No. They wanted Marlon Brando to play the Penguin first. I think he would have driven Tim Burton's like nuts. If it would have been, uh, it would have been (laughs) Doctor Moreau. That is the desire of a person that has never met or worked with Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. His his second choice was Dustin Hoffman. That would have worked. Directors making choices before the internet existed is insane to me. Yeah, I know. You know, like. Or yeah. I should say, I should say, the studio wanted Dustin Hoffman. Oh, okay. Well, Tim Burton studio, wanted. Yes. Oh, that Miranda. makes a lot yeah. more sense. That now. makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, I, we can argue until the yeah, end Matt, of time about whether it's a good or bad Batman movie. That's that's a whole other argument. I'm curious, Matt. Before we move on to, to you've listed a few fix a flick versions of Batman Returns. Yes. Um, I would love to know what your version of this movie is. my my version of this movie is you focus even more on selena kyle batman just happened he is the romantic interest he's the love yeah. interest and shows up from time to time which is not too different from the way it is in this movie right now mm-hmm. um and well, it's selena yeah. kyle having to deal like she's been fucked over because of a terrible power dynamic by a corrupt capitalist like this is a perfect fucking christmas story like for a setup yeah. And yeah. and she over the course of time she's on a revenge thing. If you notice like she doesn't want she doesn't kill anybody that's not Max Shrek. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even kill the cops. Batman kills more cops in this movie than Selina Kyle. <laughs> Batman kills Selena a Kyle, lot of people. Tic Tac Toes a man's face. So not, he, he sets a man she, he sets a man on a devil costume on who fire with a Did anyone car. recognize the guy she tic tac toes? Uh oh no. um oh it's we uh, hold on. Just watched a movie with this guy in it. The guy that she tic tac We watched two movies in the same night with this guy in it. We only watched two movies in one night recently. I don't know what why is this still difficult. I I don't know. He is in Vampires and he's in Blade. Oh, I wasn't there for that. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. I did, I would have given it away if I. That's okay. Wesley Snipes. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, oh. Snipes. Uh, it's not uh, Branscombe Richmond, is it? I don't know. Who I, 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 I don't know. You names. <laughs> terrible names. After all that you, just up. look him up. He, I don't know his name, but he's. I, I recognize <laughs> him. And watch his movie. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Stunt guy from the nineties. I I have a I have a Christmas treat for you guys. We're not going to watch this whole thing. We're just going to watch a minute or two of it. But this is, I might have already sent this to you sometime over the years. This is one of my favorite YouTube videos 
that exists in the world. It is the children and adu- and parents of 1992 speaking to the news about how violent Batman Returns is. I thought it was going to be the Diet Coke commercial. That was yeah. a time promotional because that's that's what I remember most from from Batman Returns. A lot of that, yeah. Batman Returns was crazy. Oh, with the, ba- oh, with the advertising. I, th- oh, this yeah. is the first Batman movie I, can, I ever saw. I can still smell yeah. the Batman Returns cereal. We can right. have. We, we have. My we dad used to have the giant McDonald's or Burger King cups with like yep. all. Of I the had the cups on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Here's just a few minutes of this. Hello, everyone. By now, you pretty much have had oh, to have heard God. that the summer's big movie is Batman Returns. In its first couple of weeks, it has already grossed more than $100 million at the box office, and Before it is already creating controversy. Some parents contend that Batman Returns, which is rated PG-13, is actually being marketed for younger children, and the movie is just too violent. Let's get an expert opinion on that from USA Today's junior movie critic, 10-year-old expert Danny opinion. Slasky. Please I welcome love Danny. this guy. He's a junior movie critic. What producer's son was he? I think so he was an uppers or a downers drug user in the. Uh, it was early very 2000s. violent. It was a total downers. attack against kids. The whole movie, everything that kids love, was being used against them. Likewise. <laughs> oh fuck off! Even the penguin had a ducky. Who boat. loves clowns? And this that kids could this is an example of a class trick. All that yes. stuff being yeah, yeah. to hurt kids and capture kids. This kid is a cop. Penguin's total goal the was to <laughs> it's hurt kids. It's a fucking nerd. You think it was scary then? Definitely for kids. Yeah, for you? Um, I was I was actually a little bit scared, and I have never been scared of a movie like this before. It is yeah. pretty funny hearing too. this, but then Fine. remembering how yeah. fucked up this movie gets. Yeah. No, this. I mean, no, Batman Returns scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. That's all we're gonna go. Well, like we there was that one. Own. There's that one shot of of the penguin coming out of the water, like levitating out of the water. Oh. And yeah. I so ninety two, I was. Four plus, I was like six ish when this movie came out, and I thought the penguin was gonna do that in the toilet, so I refu- like yeah. I refused to like poop for like a couple of months just because I the didn't m- want the penguin to come out of the toilet at me. We we I had, watched- I had an imagination, you know. That's I mean, children. Um, my my sister was born in 1992, so like we we never owned it because my dad was never a fan of it. He thought it was too whatever. But the prevailing image in my head from when we rented it once was when the penguin comes back from the dead, belching black fluid, and then mm-hmm. gets like military funeraled by his by his fellow penguins. Like yeah, that's, same, that's, that's just same scene. Yeah, it's in seared there. in my consciousness. Yeah, yeah. It is um, my mom only recently, and and I should have known, but she only recently admitted this. She pretended to accidentally break the VHS tape so I wouldn't keep watching this movie because <laughs> she was so horrified. Like parents, like imagine, like really imagine having a five year old and yeah. thinking this is like four. You know, yeah. or like, you know, well, like, Ant Man. Batman. This the is starting to explain a lot more about you, Frank. Now, Batman <laughs> the animated series came out like when this movie came out. Like it was like the same, same year, I think. Time. Yeah. So like we're just like, yeah. yeah, Batman. I fucking love Batman. Did you guys just like, so? Yeah. Did you guys ever play the Super NES Batman Returns game? Yes, and yeah. and this I I carried a lot of like information over from from this. Also, why is the Penguin in league with the clowns? 
Is that ever explained? So yes. So he, this was yes, the thing is, is that this is where you learn that he was always a bad egg. Is that while Bruce Wayne is doing research, he finds out that like there was this traveling circus for thirty years, and there was a bird boy who kept, and then like everywhere the circus went, children would go missing, and like yeah. every, like so that's the the gang is the see. The I was I was hoping circus. it was like the Joker's dead, and so. The clowns. No, but it is. Angle. Yeah, no, there you're is right. some it of is, that. It is weird that it's still clown based, but I think I astute movie watchers will pick up that the penguin is a bad egg when he eats a kitten in the opening <laughs> scene of the movie. It's it just also, misunderstood, and it's also shaped like an egg that you would never eat. That's my. That's that's good too. That's my yeah. uh, shot him in the face. <laughs> moment. Yes, no, I. I but, yeah. The, Sorry, ahead, if you have the opportunity to play the Super NES version of Batman Returns, the video game, highly recommend it. One of the best brawlers of the early 90s. It is good. If I could play it right now, I would. You probably can. I probably can. I don't have those tech abilities to do that. but um, I'll in, build a Raspberry Pi emulator for you, Connor. Please do. Come to my house and we'll, we'll, beat, up, we'll beat up clowns together. Okay. We have to get because I would love to. This is I, I'm actually. This is sorry, the problem that you this. picked Batman Returns. Yeah, this yeah. Is, there's too much of an onion. One, to one, one thing, but before before we get to to the Christmas debate, I want to play a little bit of box office game with you. This is the third highest grossing movie of 1992. The two higher grossing movies are both aimed at children. Can you tell me what they are? One is a sequel. One is a Disney movie. 92 would have been Beauty and the Beast? No. Aladdin? Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin um, is uh, I ran the so highest grossing walk. film. Yeah. The sequel <laughs> makes me want to think of Back to the Future 3, but I think that was earlier. That was earlier. That was it was earlier. 90, I think. 92 sequel aimed at kids. Live action? Live action and a Christmas movie. Home Alone 2? Home Alone 2. Shit. Lost in New York. Oh, shit. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. Huh. That's good. That's good. A movie that we fixed wow. on Fixel Flick. Two right, of the yes. three highest grossing movies of that year were Christmas movies. That's funny. Yeah. Well, Which we're about to find out. Kind of insane because uh, Home Alone 2 came out at the very end of the year, like Thanksgiving yeah. time, probably. I, when did this, I will when, say, when did Batman Returns come out? Look it June. up because I, I should have. That's June. It's a June insane. movie. June, June 16th, 1992. So, so while we're discussing Christmas movies, I think it's important for us to take a moment to. Um, think about when these movies come out in the year. Because some movies come out and they are celebrations of Christmas. Because because they come out around the Christmas season. They are about Christmas. They usually come out either right before or directly after Thanksgiving. And they're there for people to go to the theater to celebrate Christmas. Um, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis is going to be tough. Um... Because data, because movies didn't come out in this like in the same way that they did yeah, by the time the nineties nice. came around. It um, was a December release generally, though. That was uh, one of the things they were talking about. Was for uh, Manelli was as mm-hmm. tradition going over budget and over time. Yeah, and 
one of the things that they were at least happy about was that he was going to make it for them to be able to release things in December. Yeah. Well, the re- so the release dates that come up on Wikipedia, so grains of salt when it comes to that, Meet Me in St. Louis was released ni- no- November 22nd, 1944 in St. Louis, and then uh, <laughs> November 28th, 1944 in New York City. So you have to imagine that it went wide for most of December. That changes the dynamic a little bit to me in my mind when it comes to thinking about if a movie Christmas if a movie is a Christmas movie. Matt, please go. My one point on that is I think we all watched this, but I will mention for the audience who hasn't, you can look up props to history on TikTok. He does a video about He's kind of best. Christmas movies. And one of the most Christmassy Christmas movies, the original Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, was a summer movie. No shit. Yeah. It came also, out in the summer. Should we try to get him on this podcast? I feel like we I could mean, probably if he's do willing, that, right? well, God, why not? He, he has he has an open invitation. Absolutely. Well, I think we need to do more than that. Hey, Prophet Sister, if you want to if you want to come on the show, you, have, you just yeah, send us we an email. Might need to send him an active invitation. I don't know. If <laughs> we don't have a we don't have a beam with his symbol in the sky. Um, I need to get a sense here of where we stand on is Batman Returns. A Christmas movie, um, Matt. I think you're, you're. You're. I'm gonna go with you first. I, 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 I would say yes. It's. I think it's still a, like with all of my foibles with this movie. I still think that it, comparing it especially with Meet Me in St. Louis, is more of a Christmas movie than Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, it takes place entirely during the Christmas season. The themes are very Christmas Carol esque, and I think that there's enough there to it not only music set pieces everything that i think that you could put this into a rotation for christmas movies if you have a very specific leather fetish pvc where do you think i got it so to me when it comes to is this a christmas movie or not that's a whole thing all right the question that i ask is does this pass the july test if i was going to watch this movie in july would it make me excited for the Christmas season. Part of the reason I think that Die Hard works as a Christmas movie is that when it, Burlife starts singing uh, Let It Snow at the very end of the film, it makes me excited for Christmas to roll around. I think that Batman Returns, in certain segments, not for the whole film, passes the July test about... 80% of the time. It's snowy. There are lights. It's That's definitely like a, a, a B minus C plus Christmas movie, um, which I guess, since it doesn't fail, means that to me it is a Christmas movie. The July test will, is, is tough. Uh, meet me in St. Louis. I've I don't never think, heard of the July test. That's really interesting. It's because I just made it up right now. <laughs> um, All right. To me... Meet Me in St. Louis does not pass the July test. Um, and some of that is just the way that I celebrate Christmas. Like the way that the family in Meet Me in St. Louis deals with and celebrates Christmas is so separate, so divorced from the way that I celebrate and anticipate Christmas that their Christmas does not make, get me excited for my Christmas. But... Batman returns because of the trees and because of the snow and the overall environment. And like you say, Matt, like the overall 
um, Christmas Carol of it all does kind of get me excited for Christmas to roll around. So yes, you're yes. I'm a yes. I'm a yes on. So I'll, yeah, I'll say Peter before you go. I just want to because kind of kind of mentioned it there. Most Christmas movies, if they're lucky, have one tree lighting ceremony. (laughs) (laughs) Batman Returns has two and a murder. So take that and run with it if you need to. But where do you stand? Okay. Uh, I have have a different test. It's called the January test. Everybody has so much to say. Here's the deal. Women get confused sometimes because they can't decide if they're attracted to a guy because he's tall or he's rich or if he's actually good-looking and a good person. I think we sometimes get confused about Christmas movies just because it's set in a time where it's cold. This movie would be the same if it was set at New Year's. There is nothing inherently about Christmas that impacts this movie. The biggest flaw I have that knocks this down from not a Christmas movie is the party that Max Shrek throws. Could be a great Christmas movie or a Christmas party. What is it? It's a masquerade party. And it's a great scene. It's a highly emotional scene. And it's 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 sort of like the philosophy scene where it's like Bruce Wayne is the only one who shows up without a costume because his And Catwoman. And Catwoman, because their their real personas are actually Batwoman Batman and Catwoman. Um totally ripped off in Dark Knight Rises. A hundred percent. But it is not a Christmas party, which you would think, why is anybody having any sort of a party at Christmas time other than a Christmas party? This is not a Christmas movie. This is just a movie that happens to be set when it's cold. That's fair. That's fair. So and, you're a no. And as I'm our, a no. As our resident North person that was born in the North, you would know from times when it's cold versus I, Christmas time. I know from cold. Although you live in I Texas that, now. So. Yeah. That's how Amanda and I view the thing. The it's a winter movie. Yes. It's a winter That's movie. the distinction. Um, the thing now th- cool. th- there are some great Christmas trees in this movie, but if they were just like balls counting down New Year's Eve, it'd be the same movie. Oh, I want Bruce Wayne's fireplace. Like I oh, feel like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could Absolutely. live in Bruce Wayne's fireplace. He could rent that fireplace out for three thousand dollars a month in Manhattan. Fuck, I could live in his fish tank. It doesn't matter. It's it's, it's amazing. It's um, a huge <laughs> that, fire, that fireplace made me laugh out loud because it was but it so exists. absurdly big. It exists because we went to Versailles and in the Palace of Versailles. There is a fireplace that is that fucking large. That that would that would heat a room to the level that would be uncomfortable. To be the, it no, with the high ceilings, you need a. Like a it makes sense. Wow, <laughs> Frank. Frank, where are you at? Where Where do you stand? Uh, this is not a Christmas movie. No, of course I fucking picked it. Like, of course it's a. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could you could you could pick a movie and then watch it and be like, oh, maybe maybe. Not. I mean, I so, like so, I said, I I was less interested if it was a Christmas movie. I'm, but but I'm I'm just of the camp where if you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, you have to consider this. So ooh, what, tell whatever, me why? Because because Die Hard doesn't need to take place during Christmas for that all to work in the same metric that this doesn't necessarily need to. But like, I want Die Hard to be during Christmas and I want Batman Returns to be during Christmas. I prefer that. So that means it works. Die Hard has carols. 
Die Hard has specific references to the holiday. It has the ho-ho. The last like line the of this movie is peace on earth and goodwill towards men and cats or whatever. I'm, I'm still on the side of no. The first, what's the first line of this movie? The first spoken line of this movie? It's something about a cat. No, that's, I guess that's just a look. It's Sorry. fucking Merry Christmas. It's the two people that walk past Penguin's parents bringing him to be drowned. Sure, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that. <laughs> or to, Merry to, Christmas. to get moses To get moses Also, if we're going to make the argument about how, how, how uninterested Tim Burton was in the Batman of it all, the fact that you have Danny Elfman's, like, primal Batman theme playing while we're just watching a fucking baby carriage like run through the river for two and a half minutes. Like that's just telling you what it is for the rest of the fucking movie. I actually fast forwarded through that section because I I was running out of time and I needed to finish the movies. I was like, I I know what this is moving forward. And the fact and the uh, amount that I had to fast forward was uh, way more than I thought it was going to be. We can ha- we can do a whole separate episode on Batman Returns as a Batman movie, but that's for another time. We should so wait, real, we real quick, real quick. We where should... are we at? Frank's Frank's at yes. Connor, you're at uh yes. Yeah, I'm at yes. I'm at yes. Matt, I, you're I'm at also a yes. Then then I'm the only no guys. This is a Christmas movie. This is Batman Christmas Returns movie. is officially a Christmas movie. It's a Batman miracle. This was fun. We will do. I'm sorry we picked a abbreviated Batman Returns discussion because, like, this is. We should. We didn't even get into the fucking nose biting, pin pinning on tits horniness of this whole movie, mm-hmm. but we will mm-hmm. another day. Yeah, no. This movie. This to. movie was just as horny as Meet Me in St. Louis. Just yeah, <laughs> different, different kind, a different flavor of horny. We should also have at some point in the future a Batman off where we pick. I was about to suggest that we're going to have to have a Batman thing. Shit. That's That's hard. I don't know where we're going to land. In the the style of the Treasure Island off. Um, Oh, yeah. I think I'm still picking the Charlton Heston one. (laughs) Get your hands off me, you damn dirty joker. (laughs) Wouldn't, Wouldn't it be penguins? The audience, this is this is only part one of of our. No, our there's there's more to come. Uh, we have part two coming up in just a couple weeks, um, where I will be picking a movie and Connor will be picking a movie. So there is more debate about whether or not certain movies are Christmas movies or not. Um, and I can't wait to share that with you. And we might have some more Christmas surprises down the line as well. Yeah, and if you agree or disagree with our takes or have a Christmas movie of your own. We would love for you to send us an email at what is our email? Netflixgiven at gmail.com? Uh, comment comment on, on our Instagram post that came out with this episode. Somebody knows what our email is. What's our Yo, email? you two are crushing this right now. <laughs> uh, I think that is I think you I think you actually nailed it. So cool. I think yeah. yeah. So send us an email at noflixgiven at gmail.com. Send us your Christmas movie picks, your unconventional Christmas movie picks. Um, we would love to hear what your thoughts are on um, our thoughts. And uh, yeah. follow us on Instagram. Rate and review the show. Subscribe. And all of that podcast shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Merry Christmas, fuckers. <laughs> what does it mean to play us out? <laughs> Hopefully, uh, there's no words there. there. Remember when we first met?
John McClane. Argyle picked him up from the plane and took him down the Nakatomi Tower to meet with Holly. He came to get her back and to be her man, but Hans and his buddies fucked up the plan. And that's about when everything went sour at the Christmas party. And the terrorists were overzealous, but it was sweet when they killed Ellen. 